Welcome. This is Karen Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. I believe there are many ways to live life. I believe there are many journeys for us to take. We can learn from others to see what is possible for ourselves. I believe there are possibilities for all of us, not just the ones who've acquired great success, but including those of us who have stumbled, lost our way, or only saw closed doors. With this show, maybe you can now see a glimmer coming through the windows. I call that the windows of possibility. Each week, I bring a guest who represents those possibilities. They too have had their own struggles and uncertainty, yet somehow they have found their way. My guests are an example of what is possible when you continue, when you learn, leap, fall down, and get back up. I invite you into this space so you can ask yourself, if that is possible for them, what is possible for me? Really ask yourself that. I would love to connect with you. Please join me at www.com howshereallydoesit.com and thanks for listening today. Working hard, being an excellent student, doing band and extracurricular activities to get into a top university, getting the beloved job as an architect and eventually getting laid off. With architect jobs impossible to find, my guest embraced his fear of the unknown and bet on himself. This is my guest, Pat Flynn's story but it gets better. He now makes an incredible living and is able to do it from home while living in line with his values for both his family and his work. Pat Flynn owns several internet businesses. SmartPassiveIncome.com is one of his well-known websites where he has an audience reading his blog as well as over 3 million listeners to his podcast of the same name. Pat is the author of his book, Let Go, and I'm excited to talk with Pat about doubt and fear on how he did not let those two things get in his way. Pat, hello and welcome to my show. So, you know, learning about your story and uh, one of my listeners about a year and a half ago told me about you and told me about your blog and just really liked you and said, wow, this guy's really credible. And and so I started paying attention. And then when your book, Let Go, came out, I started getting messages, Corinne, you need to get this guy on your show. You know, he's got a great story. It's in line with your show. And But prior to doing what you do now, you were kind of, you had this very traditional, very conservative, work really hard, get a good education, and that's how you're going to pursue your dream, like this one path of excellence. Yeah, that was, I mean, something that was taught uh, to me early on, primarily by uh, through the example of my father, who, um, you know, worked the same at the same um, job for 40 plus years until he retired. And so I was just following his lead. And, you know, I, I looked up to my dad and he was a guy who was always right. And, and so I just looked to him for advice and it was always work hard, uh, you know, get good grades, get into a good school um, and, 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 and do a ton of extracurriculars so that the, the admissions office will see that. Um, and then when you're in school, you know, take extra classes. Um, and that, that was even reflected when, when, you know, doing all that work, um, I landed my dream job and it, you know, it was all, I was following the path. I was just, I was just following, you know, the step-by-step process that was taught to me. And I was like, okay, well, this is the way it's supposed to go. And even when I had my corporate job, um, I was doing the same thing. I was, I was studying when I didn't have to. I was taking tests when I didn't have to. I was going to these classes just to try and understand architecture as much as possible. And it was working again. I was like, this is awesome. I'm going to teach this to my kids because, you know, when you work really hard on something and, um, you know, and, and this is true, obviously, when you work hard on something, you know, good things happen. And when I was in corporate world, uh, I worked really hard and I got promoted and I started to earn more money. So mm-hmm. that's just what I was taught to do from a, from a young age. But we're now in this new economy that's just really different, right? I mean, you did all the right things. You did everything you were supposed to do, but then you still got laid off. 
Yeah, that that's that was the trippy part. And and just to tell you a brief story, um, you know, I, I was I was sort of a young kid in the architecture firm, but I was doing a lot of extra things, and I was getting promoted earlier than a lot of other people were to different um, positions. And it was really interesting because when the economy started to die in the uh, you know in two thousand eight in the U.S., um, you know, a lot of my other coworkers were sort of getting laid off like one by one, and it was very scary. Uh, we actually. You know, a few of us who were sort of banded together and, and really good friends, we call it getting slayed off because really it's just like they would go into the back room and they would come back and just look like like they just witnessed a murder. Um, and, and obviously it felt like a murder prob- probably to, to them. And, and, you know, I knew I had put in as much work as I could. I tried to impress everybody from day one. And when I got called into the back room, I was like, okay, what are they going to say, you know, they called everyone else back and, and they let everyone else go. Maybe there's a chance they'll keep, keep me, you know, trying to be very optimistic about the whole situation. And my boss sat me down in his office. He, he sat me down and he said, Pat, you're one of the youngest and brightest guys we know. And that just gave me a, an amazing glimpse of hope. Like, yes, may, maybe he's just going to keep me around for a little bit and cut my pay or maybe cut my hours. But then he said, comma, I'm sorry, but we have to let you go. And th- those two things in the same sentence just just completely perplexed me and, and confused the, the, the bejesus out of me because like it's like you're one of the best and brightest guys that we have but we have to let you go like well that doesn't make that didn't make any sense to me so at that point i was just so angry um so upset of, of just life and, and i was disappointed in myself i thought i had made wrong decisions in life and i didn't even know what i was doing um i didn't know what to do next i didn't know how i was going to tell my fiance i didn't know what i was going to tell my dad was he going to be incredibly disappointed in me um and you know, after I got over that initial shock, um, and and after I got some amazing support from my fiance, who who told me, you know, everything's going to be okay, um, and and that's when I knew. Well, yeah, no matter what happens, we we always had each other, and everything was going to be okay. Um, that's when I really started thinking about what had happened, and that's when I realized that, you know, whatever happens in life, you know, I want the satisfaction. I want to change it so that I know that whatever happens is a result of my own doing, whether it's I succeed because I deserve to succeed or I fail because I didn't do something I was supposed to, not I failed or I got let go because I did everything right. You see, that doesn't make sense. And so that's when I knew I always wanted to be, um, or that's when I understood that, you know, I had to go down this path of being my own boss. And so it doesn't seem like that your college education was a waste or all that all that work getting into college was a waste because what I take a look at your story is that it taught you how to work tremendously hard and be with focus. Absolutely. I mean, there's maybe one or two things that I actually learned from architecture school that I still use, like mm-hmm. Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, like you said, I mean, I, I learned the value of working hard. And, um, you know, in, in all those architecture classes, um, you know, we would, work, we would work incredibly long hours. Um, we would sleep in the studio and, 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 and drink like four-day-old water just to stay alive during those periods when we're building models and we're creating drawings only to show sort of a jury of other architects that were living around the Berkeley area to sort of thrash everything we had done for the last few weeks and, and tear everything apart. Um, you know, I, I had learned the value of, of working hard and, and, and sort of putting a lot of effort into something to create an end result. Um, and and um, it taught me time management. It taught me a lot about um, when I work best. It taught me a lot about how important it is to connect with other people. I mean, a lot of the people who were in architecture studio with me were some of my best friends and people, you know, we would always back each other up and that was so important. And I didn't even realize back then you know, what that really meant, but it, it sort of taught me now sort of um, post-college that, you know, connecting with other people and having that sort of support team along the way to sort of just boost you up when you need it or also give you advice when when you may not even be looking for it. Um, it's just so, it's just so important. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of things I, I, I learned from college that weren't necessarily tied to the general education that I learned, but were tied to sort of the things that were happening around that. So it was still a worthwhile process to go to because you developed skill set that you now use as an independent uh, entrepreneur. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that way, and then that's why you know I'm happy to um, put money away for my kids' college education. I'm I'm a big proponent of of the college experience, um, and you know there's obviously a lot of non 
business related stuff that you learn about yourself in college too, um, which I feel is very important. And it really changed, it, college really changed who I was as a, as a character, somebody who used to be a shy guy, very introverted. Um, and, and really it, it was the architecture school that I went through and also marching band that I participated in um, that, that really sort of um, got me comfortable with, with putting myself out there, I, I guess you could say. But never did you imagine to live this life that you currently are living, did you? No, and I'm, I'm shaking my head like way back and forth right now because I, I had no idea. Well, first of all, I didn't even know this sort of kind of world existed. And that, that was the whole amazing thing is when I discovered online business and the, the ability to sort of um, create businesses that can really serve a particular audience that can um, tap into and, 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 and provide a service or solution for some um, group of people's pain. And, and for me, my first business was you know, it came off of architecture actually after I got laid off. It was teaching people how to pass an exam that I took. One of those, mm -hmm. one of those many exams that I took that was very difficult. Um, you know, I created a solution for that. And, and the funny thing about that was I actually created that solution for myself first. And I didn't even know I was building something that could potentially <laughs> help other people. I mean, the, the real story behind that was when I still had my job, um, I, I, there's a few things you have to learn about me. I, I, I had terrible hand, note taking handwriting. So it was very difficult for me to sort of, sort of learn from the notes that I take. Um, and I traveled a lot and it was just, I learned that it was going to be much easier for me to study by building a website that would sort of become the resource for my notes. And so that it was also a place that I could share my notes without being embarrassed about my chicken scratch with my other coworkers. Never did I plan on ever sharing it with anybody else. But when it ended up happening after I got laid off and sort of discovered this whole uh, world of online business and being inspired by other people who were already successful at it, um, I, <laughs> I learned that thousands of people around the world were visiting that website that I created just for myself every single day um you know that site had been up for maybe over a year at that point um but i had no i i don't even know when all that started happening it just you know i just discovered that all these people were visiting it and it was because i mean i at the time i didn't know why it was happening and actually i was very freaked out about it because i didn't know if my content was good enough or what if it didn't really help people but it, it helped me and once i started to open up the comments on that blog and started to see questions come in that i actually knew answers to um i sort of became this expert in the eyes of these people and and you know it's funny because i wasn't i didn't consider myself a true expert you know i didn't get 100 percent on the test um i i didn't know all the answers I had to look up a lot of the answers to the questions people had but because I was the one who had already taken the exam and I was the one who was posting information about it online I became the expert in those people's eyes I mean you, you really you only have to know a little bit more than someone else to be able to make an impact on their lives in whatever regard and so and to make a long story short I ended up writing an ebook a study guide for uh, my audience there and uh, it took about a month and a half to create and there was a lot of sort of <laughs> Uh, roadblocks along the way, you know, both technically and also just mentally, actually mostly mentally, um, you know, just that resistance and that fear that comes into play. Um, I, I was so scared about doing it, but, you know, through the help and support of other people and just encouragement and, and just realizing and asking myself, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Um, and obviously, because I really had no no choice but to, to give it a shot, um, it, it really changed my life selling that ebook. And that first month, I sold my ebook on my website for. $19.99 and I had made $7,908.55 that first month in October um, and it was just truly absolutely life-changing for, for several reasons. One, it's just so fulfilling to know that I actually did that and <laughs> you know, it was just like, whoa, like I did this um, and, and, and secondly, it changed my eyes about online business because before I, you know, I, I, you know, like any, a lot of other people, you know, you look up these like how to make money things on Google and, you know, you're just met, met with these obvious sort of people who are almost like car salesmen. I mean, they, they, they are really good at copywriting um, and, and they put these pictures of these six figure checks on their websites. And it's just like, you know, obviously fake, but some people are so good at doing that. They, they really make us believe that all that stuff can happen overnight. You know, get rich quick, get rich tomorrow. You can make $5,000 a month in, in two days or whatever. Um, this showed me doing it myself in this way and almost accidentally falling into it that online business can be done in an honest way where I was providing this valuable guide to people to help them pass this exam and in exchange getting money in return. But in addition to that, I was getting these incredibly just wonderful thank you letters from people, both through email and actually handwritten letters. I mean, 
that was just like I got paid and I got these incredible like messages of thanks. I mean, that just that just showed me day from day one when I had my first customer how I should be running my businesses and and how I want to if I do teach other people how to run a business that how they should be running it too. And that business model is you know focus on the relationship and provide value for your audience. And when you can do that and you can over deliver um, and you don't ask for anything in return, often sometimes people will go out of their way to find ways to pay you back. And that, that has always been the case um, since day one for me. Pat, I want to go back to when you talked about, you know, your first doing the website or the, the ebook mm-hmm. and you had mental resistance, right? Because you've got this great success story now and everybody could say, oh, well, that was real easy for Pat Flynn, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. kind of, in some ways, you were just successful. I mean, you went to Cal. So for some people, that is a huge stepping stone for most people, right? It's the ivory gates that you got into. But what were your mental resistance as you were kind of going into this new air arena? Right. I mean, there were, there were so many different types of, of resistance. You know, resistance comes in many different forms. Um, the, the number one was, was just, just fear of failure. Like what, like, what if I do this and it doesn't work? Um, but then the sort of counter argument to that is, what if I do this and it does work? And I felt like that right there just showed me that it was worth doing. Um, and, and that experience and many other experiences I've had since then showed me that when that resistance comes into play, when it, when it, when it sort of shows up there again, um, that that's actually a good sign that whatever it is you're trying to do is something that's worth doing or that's something that's going to be really exciting for you or awesome on the other end of it. And so it's something that shows you you should work for it and, and sort of just do what you can to get over that resistance or, as they say, you know, punch fear in the face. Um, so, so that fear comes into play. But, but there's other forms of, of sort of resistance too that, that are sort of sneaky, like, procrastination mm-hmm. um, you know trying to find other things that you're more comfortable doing just because you're comfortable doing them um, uh, doing work that makes you feel like you're making progress when really when you think about it you're you're not um, and 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 again just just the fear of, of ridicule uh, from friends and family too which I was fortunate enough not to get that much uh, uh, you know sort of backlash from friends and family you know they were always very supportive um, I think my dad was the only one who sort of shared a little bit of doubt in my decisions to go off on my own. And he, you know, again, was the guy who worked for 40 years, same job, the one who told me to always work hard and I was following his path. And here I was, um, his son deciding to go on a different path. Um, and I don't know if he was sort of, you know, weary of that because um, he wanted to, because he, he knew he did it the right way or because he was worried about me failing and he wanted to protect me or I don't know what it was. But um, he had said, you know, Pat, this is a good opportunity for you to go back to school, get your graduate degree, and potentially when you come out of that, you're going to be you know, more qualified. You're going to get a higher paying job in the architecture industry. It's going to be a lot easier to find a job. And he was right. You know, that, that's the thing about my dad that I hated, that he was always right. And, but I had to really make that decision for myself to, you know, I was just so hurt by the fact that I had done everything right already mm-hmm. and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And Again, I was losing control if I went down that route. I wanted to control my own destiny. Um, and so that's what I did. Um, did, did, you, did you go through a grieving process of, like, of letting go of that conditioning that you had of, look, if you work hard, if you do the right things, you're going to be okay. You, you, did, you did the right things. And then in the end, you weren't okay. You lost the job that you wanted to do, the job that you trained to do. Was there kind of a grief in letting go of that belief system that was so ingrained in you. Yeah, that that I mean, that is something I was definitely conditioned to learn, and it wasn't something that I could just unlearn overnight. Um, and it really took me finally getting a taste of success to sort of realize that maybe there was something here, uh, something more for me here. I mean, I mean, there were times when I was working on my ebook, and even after I started selling my ebook and I was doing really well with it, where I, I asked myself, okay, well, how long is this going to last, or, or <laughs> you know, how secure is this? for real. Um, I mean, the money was good up uh, right at the beginning, but again, how, how long was it going to last? Or, you know, um, am I throwing away all the years that I had spent studying architecture? That was a big one for me. Like my parents paid tens of thousands of dollars for me to go to Berkeley. Mm -hmm. Like, would I be sort of, uh, you know, undisciplined or, 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 or betraying them by saying, you know, screw that, I want to do my own thing. So that was going through my head as well. Um, I'm just so many different things. Um, did, but you again, ever, it, did you ever think ahead. you drank the spiked Kool-Aid in believing that this was possible? 
Yes, I did. But you know what? I had the wonderful support of other people who were already doing it. Um, and, and I think that was key, you know, putting myself in, in that world as much as possible, finding other people who had successful online businesses and, and, and seeing that it was real, for one, and also getting advice from them as well. And it was actually in one of those groups that I had met up with that, um, you know, a, a guy named Jeremy Franson. He told me, you should write an ebook for your site because he saw all this traffic and he knew sort of path that, that that I should have been going down um, with a website like I had and you know I had no idea I in you know maybe if I didn't connect with those people I would have never done it or maybe I would have found out too late but um, you know I'm so glad things happened the way they did and uh, my layoff ended up being a blessing in disguise and probably the best thing that ever happened and you said earlier when resistance show up shows up that's a good thing now can you give like an example of that and how it's a good thing yeah, I mean, probably the latest example I can give you um, is when I've been doing a lot of public speaking lately. Public speaking is something that I've feared for a very long time, um, and that's why I sort of started with a podcast where I could just sort of hide behind a microphone and just use my voice. Actually, I started with with YouTube, but I didn't even put my face on it. I, I did screen captures and then used my microphone to sort of talk and give these lessons. Um, but but then I, start, I, I went to the podcast, and then I did public speaking. And I remember my very first public speaking presentation, which was um, at the Financial Bloggers Conference in October 2011 in Chicago. And I was invited to speak there, and for some whatever reason, um, I was the last person to go. This is my first presentation ever, and I was the last person to go in the entire conference. Everybody in the conference would be there watching me. And so I could have ruined the entire conference for everybody. Like everyone could have had a great time, and then all of a sudden Pat Flynn comes up and, and ruins the whole thing. Um, so I was I was scared of that. That that was the form of resistance, just fearing what people would think of me, um, just, just procrastinating, you know, a little bit on 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 trying to get that speech down, um, questioning every single word that I said, um, and actually I actually scripted the whole thing because I was just so scared of of not getting something right. So I learned and memorized twenty pages of content. So that I wouldn't have to worry about trying to think off off my heels, which I, you know, I was scared that I would sort of get in that blanked out state where I wouldn't even know what to do anymore. Um, and and I remember literally li literally thinking about what was going to happen, and you know, making up this scenario in my head. You know, we, we whenever we we were sort of met with that sort of fear of resistance, and we we always think of the worst case scenarios. You know, even beyond what is actually possible. And I I remember thinking, um, well. What if I go on stage and and nobody likes what I say? And then what if they start throwing like rotten tomatoes at me that are like sort of hidden underneath the chairs that nobody knows about until somebody terrible goes up? And then I go off the stage and I trip and I fall and I get a bloody nose and then I run on the, on the street and all of a sudden I wake up in the morning and I'm like naked in a ditch somewhere. Like that's exactly what I thought. I mean that's stupid. <laughs> But that's how crazy our brains are sometimes. And that, I mean, at least that's how crazy my brain is. But then I, I, I stepped back and I, I took some advice that was given to me a while ago and I said, okay, Pat, realistically, realistically, what realistically is the worst that can happen? And I thought about that and I was like, okay, well, I go up there and I speak and you know, nobody's going to throw stuff. I'm in a room full of professionals. They're probably not going to boo. They're just maybe... <laughs> It, it, they're probably just not going to enjoy the content that I share or they're not going to enjoy the presentation or they might fall asleep if they get bored. So then that showed me, okay, well, what can I do to make sure that I put on a good presentation, that I keep them entertained, that, that they're not bored and that I can provide content for them? And that sort of gave me direction on what I should be focused on. You know, I wasn't focused on what my fear was anymore. My focus was on, okay, what can I do to improve my presentation? And that is what led me to actually delivering a pretty good um I feel a pretty good presentation. Um, I got a lot of great um, comments out of that. And as a result of sort of asking myself, well, truly what's the worst that can happen after being met with that resistance? I've been speaking, I've spoken 10 times at different, all different conferences around the US. Um, I have been invited to conferences in Europe. Unfortunately, I had to turn them down because my wife, my, uh, I didn't want to leave my wife alone with my, my nine month old and three and a half year old for that long. Um, you know, I'll have opportunities to do that later. But as a result of, doing this public speaking, I've been getting more comfortable with myself on stage. I hired a coach to help me and my sort of experience public speaking and learning about how to become a better communicator has filtered down to my podcast and my YouTube channel and even my blog posts and even in my personal life, communicating with my friends and my family. Like if, if, if there's an argument that, that we're having about something, um, I feel like I am better equipped to share my side of the story. I mean, I don't pull out a PowerPoint presentation or anything like that. Um, that would just be silly, but um, 
you know, and you can do that now. You can pull up Keynote on your phone, and I mean, that would just you'd get weird. Yeah, they might not be your friend anymore if you do that. But yeah, um, your wife may not be too happy with you. <laughs> yeah, th- these are the reasons why. Here, there are three points I want to talk about why I think you're wrong. No, that would never happen. Um, I know much better than that. Actually, the best thing I've learned is just to say yes to you sometimes. Um, but that's a whole other episode that, that we can talk about that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, public speaking has now led to book writing opportunities and connecting with literary agents um, and, and, and um, just putting myself out there and meeting that fear. You know, I'm, and, and, and that fear came before I did my podcast. And that's why it took a year and a half to finally get off my butt and do it. And as a result of doing my podcast, I've gotten literary agents to contact me from that as well. And people found me on iTunes. I got to um, become a director of web and social media for an independent movie. A, a, a producer from Hollywood listened to my podcast and reached out to me. And I got to become an extra on that film. And that film came out last year and that was such a cool experience i got to meet these these celebrities as a result of putting myself out there and overcoming that fear i mean so many great things have happened as a result of just seeing that resistance and 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 knowing that what's on the other side um is just a whole lot of opportunity no i really love that part about what you had to say about the resistance and realizing that okay this may be hard right here but there's once i get to the other side it's going to be really good Right. Yeah, totally. And, 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 you know, I, I think about the resistance and it's been a play in my whole life ever since I was like a little kid and, you know, I would be like a little kid in, in middle school and I, I would just be so scared to like ask a girl to the dance or something, you know, <laughs> like that it, it was there always. And, um, you know, a lot of my life up to college was the what ifs. You know, I had said to myself, well, what if I did this? Or, you know, I should have done this instead. Or what, what would have happened if I actually did this? Um, and that, that's a terrible feeling because you don't know. You don't know. But I, I would much have, rather have the oh wells than the what ifs, you know, the, where you actually tried something and gave it a shot. And, you know, it might not always work out. I think that's another thing that you have to realize that, um, you know, life is full of failures. And those failures, you know, teach you something. And at least you're giving yourself the oh wells and not the what ifs because the what ifs are scary. You know, you don't, you know, I, I would hate to, uh, you know, be older and, and someone who missed out on opportunities just because of that resistance that came into play. And I was just too scared. Well, I mean, some people with a really fixed mindset, they could look at, you know, if they were living your life and going, well, this really sucks. I worked really hard, got into Cal, became an architect, and then I lost my job, and it's too hard to get a job as an architect. So, you know, and they, they could have just stopped right there. And instead, you've continuously reframed and been scared, but look at what you've built by willing, being willing to learn and being willing to fail. Yeah, I mean, the, the failure part is huge. And that I, I mean, whenever I go on a podcast and they say, well, what's the number one tip you have? Um, and, and, and I sort of surprise people when I say the number one tip is to fail. Um, and, and I don't mean that like you want to try to fail, but, but, but in a way that you, know, you just need to understand that failure is a part of the process. I mean, we're just brought up to, you know, since elementary school to see that big fat F on that paper and be like, we are not good people because of that or we aren't smart enough. Well, just whatever method that you were trying at the time to, to, to get those right answers, it just wasn't working at the time. You try and figure out another way, you know? Um, all entrepreneurs who are successful that I know have gone through massive amounts of failure. And I think about people like Tim Ferriss who wrote The 4-Hour Workweek, which is the number one, best time, uh, number one New York Times bestseller. He brought that book to over 20 publishers who rejected it until one finally got it. And then he published it and it, it got to number one. Uh, Angry Birds, you know, the game we all know on, on the iPhone, that was the 60th game that Rovio created. Um, the 60th. I mean, that's 60. I mean, I don't even know any of those other games. But it just took that one after after all of those failures that they've had. And, you know, they probably had a lot of good games and, and you know, had, had some revenue coming from that. But it wasn't until they learned from all the 59 other projects that they had of what they can create. Um, to, to that eventually became Angry Birds. Are you process focused or result focused? Uh, both. And I say that because, you know, I always look at the sort of bigger goal that I want to achieve, right? Mm-hmm. So, so imagine a really big goal that you have and really focusing on what that vision looks like at the end. You know, what is life going to truly be like at that moment? And, and um, you know, what, what is it like? Or what, what does that actually mean to have that, that big goal? But then what I do is I take that big goal and I chop it up 
into a lot of little tiny goals that sort of lead me to that point. And then I focus and process just that one little tiny milestone at the very beginning and I just focus on that. And whatever I need to do to get that little tiny milestone to reach that little goal, I'm gonna do everything in my power to do that. Then that takes away all the other overwhelming things that I know I have to might do that I might have to be doing in the future. It takes away all of those other bright shining objects that could potentially help me later. I put those away and I just focus on that next little tiny milestone. And what it does is it gets me moving a lot faster. It keeps me motivated because I'll reach those goals much quicker than obviously that overarching goal. Um, and 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 uh, you know you you can just see yourself sort of inching along the way and it's just so motivating and and to see actual you know to have these little milestones where you actually have a finished product not a not a finished product in whole but you know you actually completed a part of it and then you can complete the next part and the next part so so that's why i say both you know i'm goal oriented in 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 sort of the macro level and also the micro level but within those sort of micro goals i'm i'm really focused on the process of just figuring that out well and so when you first went into this internet business world did you think was your goal to make forty to fifty thousand dollars a month, like you currently are? No, no. My goal was just <laughs> to to survive, really, and create something that was sustainable, um, and 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 that could provide. And really, my first goal was to just um, try try and get to the to the same income level, or even just just a little bit close to the same income level that I had before I got let go. Um, and I was very fortunate, obviously, when I first started uh, to generate an income online that I, I immediately surpassed that um, and, and almost tripled it, um, which, which was which was amazing. Um, and, and then, you know, things started to grow from there as, as I immersed myself in online business more and with other people who were successful and learning from their example, um, I, I started to make, you know, even even better money. And I, and I, you know, one of the first things I learned to do after I sold my ebook was to, you know, create an audiobook to go along with it. So that's what I did. I actually... Um, I actually spent a couple of days trying to record that book myself, and uh, I remember listening to the to the content at, that I recorded later, and it was just the worst, absolute worst quality <laughs> audio. Like I, I was like, I cannot sell this. This is I can't even give this away for free. I would be, I would be, you know, tarnishing my brand if I did this. Um, and then I went back to the people in my mastermind group. I was like, guys, like, help me out here. Like, can you read it for me? I'll, I'll like I like how do I do this? And and they all laughed at the fact that I tried to do it myself because they all sort of didn't even realize that I didn't even know what outsourcing was or trying to find hired help. So from that point forward, I actually have learned to sort of um, leverage other people's talents and skills and 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 pay for that as a result of uh, or to, to help me get better results in my business. So the first thing I did was I actually went to Elance.com and I paid a voice talent about twelve hundred dollars, which is more money than I ever spent at that at the, at that point in life. You know, it was more than rent. So that that was a big thing to overcome. Like. I'm paying twelve thousand or not twelve thousand, twelve hundred dollars for somebody to do something that I could potentially do myself, right? Um, mm-hmm. But it wasn't what I could do myself. It was so much better. She did it. She did it with so much better quality and much faster. Um, and I actually ended up making up the costs of that within the first three days of sales. And then I started to generate maybe twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month from that ebook and audio guide together. Um, so that was pretty cool. Wow, that's incredible. So with your with this are there any were there other doubts that you had like sustainability you know uh, an architect job we, we've had plenty of evidence of okay you can do this job for 30 40 years right your dad was an engineer for 40 years mm-hmm. were you ever concerned about or even are you now concerned about what will be my long-term sustainability how much longer can I keep this going yeah I mean I think that's something everybody's concerned about no matter sort of what they're doing um you know you, you obviously want to make sure things things keep going um and and so that's why i think it's important to not only sort of create new things along the way and experiment and sort of keep up with the times and, and sort of how fast internet business goes um but but you know at the same time creating systems of automation so that you have the time to sort of explore other things so a lot of my businesses that i have are on autopilot right now and they're at a point where i don't i only have to check up on them you know maybe an hour a week so I can focus on these new projects and other things. I mean, that's why a lot of people say like, you know, Pat, how do you do all the things you do? I mean, it's ridiculous. Well, a lot of the businesses I have are on autopilot and again, inspired by the sort of four hour work week model. Um, definitely a book that I, that I recommend um, people check out. But, you know, as far as, uh, the, as, far as security and, and sustainability, you know, the argument I always say is, well, I thought my job as an architect was going to be secure. Um, and, 
you know, I really did, and that's what I what's I that's what I wanted. Um, and and then again, it just makes me realize that that I am in control of, of my own destiny. And, and if I want um, to to survive and, and keep things going, um, you know, it's my responsibility to make sure that happens. And and um, what I feel that means online, especially if you have an online business, is, is really building that tribe that sort of group of people who are going to follow you no matter what you do no matter where you go and that comes with a lot of responsibility of course not only to provide content that's going to help them um, but also um, to to be honest with them and transparent and and have you be a true leader in a way that you can um, not only just share things that are working but also lead by example so that's why that's a big motto for me is you know just you know walk the walk you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. just lead by example mm-hmm. um yeah, no, it's it's really interesting because uh, you do. You're very transparent. You put out a monthly income report every month for the world to see how much you make and how much you spend. And um, and that's fascinating because, as you mentioned earlier, a lot of the Internet marketing that was out there was a lot of images or great copywriting. But you, you, nobody really knew, are these people really making money? Are they throwing up a website? And mm-hmm. you've cultivated this 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 fan base of people who are like Pat Flynn is the real deal. He's authentic. He's transparent. He's the real deal. And so I'm wondering, you know, are you just kind of changing some of that part of that? I guess the internet marketing business uh, sector. The, yeah, I mean, I, it's funny because that that it wasn't my intention in the, <laughs> in initially to sort of change the way, you know, people who are in this space do stuff. Um, but now that I'm here and I'm sort of seeing the response from my audience and how much they appreciate the fact that I'm being honest and transparent, and yes, I do share an income report every month, sharing down to the penny how much money I make and where it comes from. Um, you know, a lot of people hear that and they're like, "Wow, that's you know, you're kind of big-headed when you do that." And that, you know, that's not the reason I do that. Um, I do that because for a couple things. One, I just want to walk the walk, like I said. Um, but also, you know, those income reports come with highly detailed accounts of exactly what I did to make that happen. Um, lessons I learned, things I wish I did right that it, that didn't happen, or things I did do right that I would recommend other people do as well. I mean, you could see what I made one month and then what I made the next month, and you could see sometimes there's a big dip, and then I talk about that. Um, and, and, and so, again, it's just, just being honest uh, and, and transparent along the way. And I think I've sort of started to become this sort of example for people about, you know, what, being transparent and honest can do for you. I mean, I was very fortunate enough to be mentioned in a Forbes article as one of the top 10 sort of trans- uh, leaders in business who are transparent. And I think that's so cool. And I think just the fact that there was an article in Forbes about that um, and, and certain people called out as being transparent shows that that's sort of trending. And I don't know if I'm sort of at the center. I don't I don't believe I am of, of that sort of movement, but I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. And I'm happy to be an example for people because again, um, the whole reason I started this website was to show people that you don't have to be like those other people who are who are traditionally, you know, coming from the direct marketing world and and um, you know really focused on sort of the uh, you know they, they spend their money and their time um, writing content and paying for advertising. You know, writing great copy. I think, especially today, your time should be spent building relationships. And when you can build a stronger relationship with your audience and you could provide them something of value then you don't need the absolute best copywriting. You don't need to pay that much money for copywriting and you don't need to pay for advertising because it'll all happen on its own. I've never paid a dime for advertising for anything. I mean, I make most of my income from uh, products that I recommend and early earn, an, earn an affiliate commission from uh, from partnerships that I have with companies. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm sort of at the forefront of this now and I'm, you know, now that I've sort of stumbled upon this role, I'm happy to take it and, and, and just sort of, again, lead by example. Well, and, I mean, you do affiliate relation, uh, marketing in a really great way. It's not slimy because I think of a lot of internet marketing as slimy or yellow highlighter. And mm-hmm. Jonathan Fields and I talked about that a few years ago on the show about just the whole yellow highlighter aspect. Yeah, but you know, I love Jonathan. Yeah, and you know, so you're really great about just being open, and it's like there's not. It's it's always kind of an invitation. There's never this obligation. And is that what you're talking about when you're talking about building relationships with your people? Yeah, I mean, imagine, imagine you know, a friend of yours, and uh, you might have something interesting to sell. I mean, you're not going to go to them and just be like, "Hey, buy this," or, "Hey, Jane, this product that I've just bought yesterday is going to change your life. You're going to make a thousand dollars a day doing this." I mean, you don't do that to your friends because that's just not real. You know, you, you, you now 
you actually show, you know, you have that relationship first to a point where they trust you and they understand what you're saying. And then you show them something that's actually going to help them. And you do it in a way where you actually are transparent about it. You know, you don't, you don't use these uh, marketing terms and, and strategies anymore. I mean, although they are still useful and they do work, but it's about really opening up to your audience and showing them what they're going to get before they get it. You know, a lot of times, traditionally, what people will do is they talk, they talk up these products as much as they can and then you finally get it and it's not what they thought it was going to be you know or they they overhyped it where i take the approach is okay this is a product i've used that's the one that's another big differentiator I, I a lot of people who do affiliate marketing don't promote products they use they use and i think that's a big mistake because why would you risk the sort of relationship you have with the people that have uh, that you've earned your trust from by recommending a product that you don't know how that product is going to treat that person um, or how that product the owner is going to treat that person. But anyway, um, it, it, you know, I, 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 I build that relationship and then I find out what their sort of issues or their problems and pains are based on that relationship. And, uh, you know, if you have that relationship, you can understand more about the people that, that you were sort of trying to serve and, and, and how to better serve them. So you can discover the products that work. And so I find the products that, I, that work because I use them and I understand them and I can sort of promote them as if they were my own. Like I take the responsibility of promoting products that I could put my name to and that if they were to fail, then that's my own fault for, you know, that, 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 that's my bad. You know, if, if people have a bad experience with a product that you recommend, yeah, they're going to be angry at that product, but they're going to be even more angry at you because you were the one that recommended it. Um, and and then also just showing what that product did for me and also opening up that product to them before they even have to buy it. I mean, that's a, we, a lot of people online, they do that with their own products. They have a product and they show people sort of potentially what they're going to get. Um, but when people recommend other people's products, they, they don't really share it. Um, most people just say, hey, this worked for me. Here's a link and that's it. But I take it a step further. I'll often create videos and be like, okay, this is what happens when you buy this product. <laughs> this is how it looks like. Watch out for this part because this part's a little, you know, this part might be a little too technical. Well, for you, if you think this part's too technical, I have a bonus PDF that's going to help walk you through this part of it here. You know, just really try to understand the mindset of the people going through these the, you know, going through the process and, and helping them as much as you can along the way, whether it's through your own products or products that other people have created that you just know are very helpful. Yeah, it's just great information about how to build relationships with people. And again, the thing I think about with you is that you just stand in your values, right? Your values on who do you want to be and what what is important to you and how do you want to treat people and then also living in line with your family. So that's, that's kind of the con consistent message that I get from you from whether it's your podcast or from um, your book or your your website yeah i mean that that's that's what that's what it's about um you know i gotta it, it's difficult you know I, I gotta tell you like being in this sort of successful position where you know you're given a lot of opportunities to make a lot of money um you know I'm, i i get offers to do, do joint venture partnerships with with people that could probably make me millions of dollars in in the next month or so like it's that crazy but at the risk of losing what you know, I am more focused on the relationship that I have with my audience and, and, and I feel like it's not worth the money to lose that trust that I've gained from my audience. You know, I know that in the long term, the sort of relationship that I've built with the people who, who follow what I do is, is, is going to be worth way more in the long run than, you know, even making a significant amount of money up front. So I'm in, I'm in this for the long term is all I'm saying. And so is that what helps you like if as you sit here, because you're pretty young, how old are you? 30? 30, 30. Okay, so you're 30 and as you're sitting here and you're 30 and you have a young family and you go, okay, what's my life going to be like in 10, 20, 30 years? Is that taking that long term going, okay, I'm not going to take some shortcuts just to make a fast buck today. Is that something that helps you with your doubt of what's to come in the future? Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's just based around that relationship and uh, that I built with my audience and, and understanding that that's going to be something that's that's long term and, and not just five years down the road. But I, I plan to 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 keep providing to the, to my audience as much as I can in whatever environment the Internet turns into or whatever or something that we can't even think of yet. 5D virtual whatever i don't know i don't know um but you know i'm going to be there for my audience too who you know i know people are going to uh have have experienced the content that i provided and i've helped them up, uh, enough a, a good number of them that um sort of whatever wherever life takes us and, and wherever life takes us forward that, that that they're still going to be there and and you know it's it's mutual you know they're they're going to be there for me as much as i'm going to be there for them and and i think that'll take me um you know to the grave i think okay do you um do you still have fears? Oh yeah. 
all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, do, do you get stuck as much with your fears you did say three or four years ago? No, no. And we, we sort of touched on this earlier. And, and I feel like when that fear is there, um, again, that's a good sign that what I'm doing is, is, is something worth doing. And I, and I sort of battle with it you know, up front, I don't try to avoid it. And and I understand that when I start to procrastinate, that that's just a sign that I'm just trying to avoid the situation. And, and I have to make these bold decisions and take these bold actions in order to make progress. And I think really what at the core of everything is, um, is just, again, going back to my audience and, and sort of what's in it for them or what, what, what would make them sort of benefit from whatever it is I'm doing or am I do am what I'm doing right now what will that benefit them I think that's a that's an important question to always ask yourself um, and that'll sort of guide you in the direction you have so first understanding that you know you first have to get that tribe and solve a particular issue or pain but then using them as a resource because they are your target audience and there's going to be more people like them out there and the more you can help them the more they're going to share who you are and 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 um you know that that's going to help you overcome your fears. The, the fact that that you know your audience is going to be sort of the uh, help you with the with the decisions that you make. It sounds to me, Pat, that you know when when you can think of a just beyond yourself, like you know when you, we get in our own way, it's usually our ego, right? Because we're worried about how we're going to look to other people, mm-hmm. you know, how people are going to judge us. But when you tra- reframe that into how can I be of service? How can I help these people? That that be that creates some inspired action. Yeah, definitely. That's a great way to put it, inspired action. Um, you know, it's action, and that action needs to happen, but when it's inspired, when there's some fuel behind it or some energy behind it, um, you know, there's, there, it's hard to stop. Mm-hmm. And then in your book, I, I've been, I put this everywhere this week. I love quotes, and your book is filled with all these great quotes, but you have faith and doubt are both needed, not as antagonists, but working side by side to take us around the unknown curve. And yeah, I, I love that quote. <laughs> I think that's so important because I think so many people think, oh, if I have doubt, that means I need to stop or maybe I'm not on the right track. But the idea to know that, okay, faith and doubt can both be there and they're side by side. I love that because that I think is more real than, oh, it's just got to be this easy road or this one path. And, mm-hmm. you know, and if I have doubt, that means I need to stop. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, doubt shows up, and it's a form of resistance. You know, doubting ourselves and our abilities, um, and, and, and it's it's a safety mechanism. You know, we're we're human, and it's a way for us to make sure we don't put ourselves in dangerous situations. Um, but it can get to a point where it hinders us from moving forward, um, especially when it comes to mindset and life. And that's why I love the fact that you know, faith and doubt, which are sort of you know, opposites of each other. They're, they're, they're different things and they, they, they work together actually. And it sort of plays along a quote that I, you know, I, you said you love quotes, so I'm going to give you another one that actually isn't in the book. And it's my all-time favorite one. Um, it, it's a quote by Henry Ford and it's whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Mm-hmm. And so you sort of have to believe in yourself and your, your abilities to, to figure things out. And, and, you know, if you feel like, you can't do something if there's something you're trying to do and you, you just really believe you can't do it. Well, of course it's not going to happen. You have to have some faith um, in, in yourself and, and your abilities. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things that can help you with that, like connecting with other people or, um, you know, going for the small wins and the small milestones in that bigger goal and, and things like that. Yeah. I look at into like having, you know, building some sort of evidence that of some sort of success, like for you, maybe you wanted to be a speaker a long time ago, but even doing the podcast was an easier way because you're not standing in a room in front of a bunch of people, right? You can edit, you can throw away a recording. And Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, then you go, oh, look, I was able to talk for say 10 minutes. That's evidence that, okay, this is something that I can do. And maybe the next time's the 15 minutes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, 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 it's incremental. I mean, you, there's no such thing as over, overnight success and there's no such thing as sort of learning a new skill overnight. I mean, we're not in the matrix yet. I can't learn Kung Fu by plugging in a little cartridge into my head. Uh, we're not there yet. And so things take take time. And, um, you know, you, you even think about these superstars and these superstar athletes who um, are just amazing at, at what they do. Well, they, they put in a lot of hours and hard work to get there, you know, over 10,000 hours typically to, to get to that point. And, you know, we all got to start with hour number one. Yeah, no, I mean, that's something I talk about all the time because I my show's about breaking that overnight myth. 
you mm-hmm. know, that we go through our struggles and we fall down and we get back up. And it sounds like you have this, I, in, I've interviewed Carol Dweck and I love her research. She's from Stanford, but she talks about growth mindset and a fixed mindset. And it sounds like you have this growth mindset where you're okay with making mistakes or failing. Were you always that way? Uh, no, no, I, I wasn't okay. Uh, always okay with that. I was sort of brought up to learn that failing was bad. Um, mm-hmm. I remember um, my dad one time telling me after I, I brought home an exam uh, from school, and I, I, this was in middle school, um, and I got a 98% on this exam. And I went to him, and I'm like, Dad, I got a 98% on this test. And then he said, what happened to the other 2%? It's like, oh my gosh. Like I, 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 I like feel bad because I, I tell him that all the time, and he feels bad about that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it... it, it yeah, there there are two sides to it. You know, I appreciated the fact that he pushed me and that he always helped me want to do my best. Um, but at the same time, just you know, it just taught me also that you know I always had to be perfect at everything, which isn't you know I've learned over time, especially doing online business. And I and my book wasn't perfect at first. There were still a lot of spelling mistakes and um, grammatical errors, and I you know corrected them over time. And that was something that I learned from other people who were doing business online. And that was also something that I learned in architecture school, actually, which was you know it's hard to create a perfect building or hard to create perfect plans. And you know as long as the building does what it's supposed to do, and it's sort of you know. It, it pleases the client. Um, there are many ways to, 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 there are many sort of solutions for that one problem as opposed to there's only one solution and then if you don't get that solution, you're a failure. You know, there, there are many solutions to, to these problems and, and sort of you kind of have to figure them out along the way. No, I'm fascinated with your mindset because I'm, I'm half Korean. So um, my mom was the tiger mom, right? I was totally mm-hmm. perfect. I had to get straight A's. I was in the gifted program, right? And I never thought I was very smart growing up but um because i think you know there was so much pressure and a push and uh, so i grew up really with this fixed mindset and i was also just afraid to make mistakes because part of me was thinking people are going to finally see this phony right Mm -hmm. i'm in this gifted program but i don't know why i'm here and once i really show up they're going to see that i'm not really gifted yeah you're supposed to be perfect yeah because i'm supposed to because my mom literally says you're supposed to be perfect i mean (laughs) right right. she told that to my kids a couple years ago and i just about died right oh wow yeah but then i think about what maya angelou has to say and she says you know your parents do the best they can with what they know and when you know better you do better and culturally you know growing up in korea my mom had to be the best to get into the best university Right. And she had to be the best in elementary school to go to better junior high and et cetera, et cetera. So I understand that. And so in our house, I mean, it's really not about perfection. It's about, you know, learning and growing and making mistakes. But I still have to remind my own mind that it doesn't have to be perfect. Like even when if I'm writing something on my website, I'm like, okay, Karen, it doesn't have to be perfect. I can go back and I can change it. Yeah, right. Like we reread the same same thing like a hundred times just to make sure. Uh, and even then there's still a mistake and you you get so upset. But, you know, the, the content's there. And as long as you, you know, have something valuable, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just ship it. That's what Seth Godin says. Yep. Just ship the darn thing. And that, that part's really important. So, you know, so yeah. I'm, so what was the key to changing your mindset from fixed to, to more of a growth mindset where you're okay with having failure? I think it was just, you know, learning from, uh, you know, again, in architecture school where what, what we would do and sort of the process of it and, and uh, was was working on a project, trying to build a, a design solution for, for a client, you know, a hypothetical client or a hypothetical sort of landscape where we had to build this, uh, this building on. Um, and, and then sort of that project lasted the entire semester. And so what happened was every sort of three weeks, we would work towards something and then all get together and get, get this jury of architects around the Berkeley area to come in and sort of not judge, but just comment on where we were headed. And then we would make shifts along the way and it, you know they did a good job not saying like this is the, like this is wrong but they would say you know this is this is probably not the way that you should be heading or the next time we meet make sure you have this in, in place or think about these certain things um, and, and that really taught me that you know create creation is, is a process mm-hmm. um, and and that there are many th- 
sort of points along the way where you have to see where you're at versus your end goal and and sort of also get help from other people um and 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 that 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 sort of taught me initially sort of the idea of 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 you know not having to be fixed on on something um and and because there were there were many ways to sort of address those problems in in that field um and and the sort of same thing when it comes to sort of doing online business you know there there are um you know that there isn't a right way that the, there isn't just one right right way to do something, so it's impossible to feel like that. You know, the way that you do it is not the right way because there isn't necessarily a right way. There's just ways to do it well and ways to do it maybe not so well. But isn't that how we get in our own way, Pat? Because we're like so wanting that one right way, trying to find that golden path. Yeah, and I think I think part of that is just understanding that you don't have to get there right away. That, you know, the, the, I read a book recently called um, The Lean Startup with mm-hmm. Eric Reese, and he talks about how his company became really successful because they launched what was called the Minimum Viable Product, an MVP. Just launching something um, that wasn't com- necessarily 100% complete, but it sort of did the job of what they were attempting and trying to test out as a business. And what they would do is they would ship it and they would get comments from customers and, and their target audience on what was going right and what was going wrong. And then they would pivot based on that commentary and they would take that business to the next level and then get to the next stage, sort of like what I was talking about in architecture, as opposed to spending two years building something that you know, they're not getting any feedback on from their audience and then shipping it and then all of a sudden understanding, okay, uh, I wish we knew that at the beginning. You know, they're sort of learning along the way and I think the same thing happens or the same, we could do the same thing um, when, it, when it comes to trying to reach these goals. Um, you know, Seeing where we at, we're at along the way, and and if if there is something that defines success, whether it's how useful something is or or how it looks, um, is is getting feedback from people sort of along the way, and then making improvements. I mean, you can always make more improvements, um, and and that's why you shouldn't have to feel like you have to be perfect right off the bat. Well, that's great advice. Do you think also that um, getting laid off also helped you shift more into a growth mindset? Yeah, I mean, I would say so. I mean, it's shifted my mindset in, in so many ways. It was just so drastic, uh, but it, but but it did teach me, you know, that you know, uh, it, I mean, I had worked and done everything perfect the way I was supposed to, and it still didn't work. I mean, that was that's obviously um, taught me that you know, it, it's not about a fixed sort of solution, but you know, growth and sort of understanding where you're at versus where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Well, Pat, do you have a couple takeaways for the listeners today? Yeah, I mean, just reiterating some of the most important stuff that I, that I want to talk about um, and, and that we've already touched on a little bit is just how important it is to connect with other people um, in, in your life and who are sort of like-minded just like you. I mean, a lot of times we're met with challenges from other people who sometimes we can't control because sometimes those people are family members and they might try to put you down or try to make themselves feel better about their situation by putting you down. And um, when, it, when when you get to that point, and I find that's a very common issue with people trying to start their online businesses or, or do something different, whatever that thing may be. Um, they are always met with that that challenge. You know, it's the whole bucket of crabs analogy. If you if you put a bunch of crabs in a bucket and you just leave it in the in the open, no crabs are going to crawl out because when one tries to crawl out, all the other ones grab that crab and pull it back in. I mean, that's what life is um, like often. And when it's family, you know, you can't get rid of family or you can't move away often um, and get away from that. So my advice for those people who are experiencing that would be, you know, for, for, for those people who will put you down, you know, just just don't talk about the things that that let them put you down. You know, don't even just try to avoid that and then hook up with people who who will only lift you up when it comes to, to whatever it is that you're trying to work toward. You know, get into a mastermind group, find other people, go to conferences and just make friends with people who are trying to do the same thing as you or who are already doing the same thing as you. Um, just it just takes one connection and even just one piece of advice just to really change your life like it did for me. Um, and you think about how people are getting nine to five jobs these days. I, I heard this on the news recently. Most people are getting jobs these days through the connections mm-hmm. they know, not through the resumes that they write, which is, I mean, everybody's like, oh, I got to work on my resume, got to work on my resume. But what about if you just meet more people? More opportunities are going to come your way. So that's why I feel sort of just connecting with as many people as possible is one of the best things you could do for for life, really. Um, and then also, again, just just reiterating the fact that failure is a part of the process. I mean, f- fall forward is, I guess, the, the saying that I always uh, say to people, you know, fall forward. 
Well, thank you very much, Pat. And um, it's been great talking with you. And I hope to have you back as a guest again in the future. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us at How She Really Does It. Each week, I try to bring inspiration, empowerment, and entertainment for you. Each show has a takeaway, something you can implement to take those steps forward in your own journey. I'd love to hear from you. You can connect with me at my website at www.howshereallydoesit.com and sign up for my weekly newsletter to get insider information as well as each podcast delivered directly into your inbox. Have a great day and I'm smiling big for you. Early morning, fog is lifting. She's in a rowboat on a lake. She is dreaming. She is drifting, never been so wide awake. Captured in the moment by the beauty all around her, there's nowhere else that she would rather.